Hi, everyone. My name is Justin Odisho. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast. Today on the show, our guest is Lizzie Pierce. I actually just interviewed her fiance and business partner a couple episodes ago, Chris Howe. And together they operate a production company called Know How Media. And yes. Uh, yes. And also uh, <laughs> she she has her own YouTube channel and um, she's also a photographer on Instagram where she's grown her own YouTube channel over 100,000 subscribers. She's also grown her Instagram over 100,000 and worked with brands such as Adobe, Google, uh, Mercedes-Benz and more. So Lizzie, thanks for coming Hello. on the show. Great to have you. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, of course. There was a lot of interesting topics that came up uh, when I was interviewing Chris that mm -hmm. uh, I thought it'd be great to get the other side of the perspective on. So hopefully we align. Usually <laughs> we do. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll I mean, tell you if he lied to you. Okay, great. I actually would <laughs> love to hear that. Um, well, one interesting thing that I thought came up was um, like, I think it's really cool that you guys work together and do the same thing. But I know for a while he said that you were doing your own kind of thing in the traditional world while he was doing his. Yeah. What was that like? So he was uh, right when we graduated. Uh, Chris graduated a year before me. And so he was essentially freelancing um, under his own business, which originally was a it was a sole proprietorship. So working with uh, mostly government clients. Um, and then when I graduated a year later, pretty quickly, I got a job at a production company in Toronto that also specialized in corporate video production. And so I started as a production coordinator. And by the time I left about a year and a half or so later, um, I was essentially a junior producer. And uh, it was kind of challenging relationship wise when our schedules were a little different um i was working pretty strictly nine to five and he wasn't so we would mostly see each other on the weekends which i feel like is pretty typical for most couples that don't live together because we weren't engaged yet we weren't living together um and it was really good um career-wise though for me because pretty soon after starting to work there, about three, four months in, I realized, um, I don't think I really want to work for anybody else. <laughs> and not in a conceited way. I know that I, I was learning a lot there. And so that's why I stayed on longer. But I wasn't, um, I didn't enjoy having a boss. I also didn't enjoy the boss that I had very much. Um, I could just deal with him because he was an older gentleman who reminded me a lot of my father so I could put up with him, but he was not a very easy guy to get along with. Um, but I, I learned a lot about working in a more traditional um, production job, but it wasn't necessarily a massive production company. It was a pretty small production company. There were maybe anywhere, probably around like eight people working there, including myself. And then there were different freelancers and, and people would come in and that kind of thing. So it was good for me to learn process and um, working with clients and what they, uh, what they expect and kind of what you're expected to deliver and what kind of sweetens that experience. Um, and, and with storytelling as well, I did, I did learn a lot about um, how to, you know, just overall improve the quality of a project. It wasn't necessarily a, a lot of things I learned about like the tech side. It was more um, about storytelling and stringing a story together and what um, what is really going to make a great corporate video. Because I think a lot of people um, and a lot of students when they start freelancing, they start shooting corporate and they're just like, oh, it's a, it's a classic, you know, locked off headshot. There's some B-roll, maybe. They just talk about their product, getting it out. You make a you make a couple bucks at the end. But if you want to make a really good corporate video, you have to actually dig a little bit further, work with the client. If you want something that people are going to care about and what they're going to see, you want it to be something that is going to tell the story about what their product or their service or um, that program or whatever it is, is going to do for another person. How can they see themselves in that piece of work? How can What's the story? Um, behind that product or service or whatever it is? And how does it relate back to an individual? What's going to make that viewer feel something? And that's, um, 
that's, I believe, why we were so successful when Chris and I kind of merged our <laughs> mindsets yeah. together. Um, and it was a pretty seamless process because in, in my opinion, I mean, this doesn't really work for everyone. When you are in a relationship and you plan on being in that relationship long-term um, and getting married, which basically involves um, signing off your own personal rights to all of your belongings and saying that now they're, they're joint owned, um, that's a business you've financially committed to each other. We've invested in this house together equally. Um, that's a massive financial investment. Um, eventually we will be having a, a, at least one kid. We have no idea yet, but that's a insane investment of, um, and commitment of time, resources, effort, care, patience, um, money, all of those things into raising a human which is arguably the probably the most difficult part of that entire project, um, project of the yeah. union. What's the scope um, of that project? Yeah, the <laughs> scope of this uh, relationship project. So everything working back from that point is a lot easier when, I mean, it was a little challenging, I think for Chris more so than me to kind of separate a work conversation and a personal conversation. Sometimes if I was upset about something he did work-wise, he would take it really personally. And I would say, I'm not mad at you. This is just a work thing that needs to be better. But you know, when we're done, I can just like turn it off and it didn't really affect me, but he would still be upset about it, for example. <laughs> yeah, that's really um, interesting. Yeah, well, and I mean, we're better at that now. <laughs> well, yeah, so it's it's interesting because there's there's all those positives of being able to work together, but also it, I'm sure it is hard to just like, like delineate things when, when you're jointed yeah. on so many things, but going on that, like, uh, I, so you, you said you graduated. I, I, I see that you guys went, did you guys both go to Ryerson university in Toronto? Yeah. So we met, um, at Ryerson in the RTA, uh, school of media program. Um, because they've changed the name since we went. When we were in the program, it was just called Radio and Television Arts. Um, and he was actually my frosh leader. So on my very first day, like classes hadn't even started yet. That's when I met him um, because he was leading my frosh group. And so he didn't really give off the best first impression. <laughs> I don't know if we want to go too far into that story. But yeah, so we met that day. We didn't really, we weren't really friends. Like we knew each other, but we weren't like super friendly. I think we had each other on Facebook and that's, and that ended up being how we connected um, about two years later. So I was going into my third year. He was going into his fourth and um, we started kind of seeing each other that summer and the rest is history. Yeah. Well, I think it's cool that you're, yeah. tra so you're traditionally kind of, you went to school for ca like cameras and video and production. And yeah. It was more for, it was a program geared at, at the time, especially more towards television production. A lot of, um, and a lot of the courses in this program are very um, producing heavy and focus on like the business side of television production. But there were also, um, amazing courses in audio production um so we learned how to you know mix and master um bands and how to do foley and um we got a really well-rounded approach of everything so if you weren't sure what you wanted to do you had the opportunity in your first year to try a lot of different things which i loved because now i have at least a basic understanding of what everyone's role is and so that's what I loved about that program was I went in kind of with an open mind thinking, okay, I know what I like, but I don't know how I feel about this because I've never done it before. So why don't I try that? Um, and now they actually have a sports, um, uh, what's it called? Like a sports television production program, which is pretty cool. Um, I focused a lot more on the producing courses later on in school. Um, but in terms of like teaching myself photography and video, um, I asked for a Canon T3i for my birthday and I taught myself essentially everything. I mean, YouTube's great that way. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't learn that much about editing or um, 
video production or like any of the like the creative side of it or the technical side I didn't really learn at school so I wouldn't credit no offense Ryerson I'm not going to credit you for that I pretty much taught myself that and everything I know about the business side about production about the industry um I learned from school yeah yeah that's really interesting because I was going to ask like the differences um and I'm sure many people especially I mean maybe even just like a few years ago from you went to now there's so much constantly more online like um resources and education and like you you started your channel I noticed like around 2017 is that right yeah, on yeah. YouTube. Yes. Yeah. I'm counting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh and you you guys are in this kind of like online education space yourself. So I think you can see firsthand like mm-hmm. the the type of resources available. But um what made you start YouTube then uh in, in like a few it seems like a few years ago always, but you know, it's getting more Yeah. More. <laughs> um I saw well truthfully Chris started his channel first um because he was friends with Peter McKinnon and Peter kind of said basically mentioned to him that he thought that Chris would be a good fit for this and it really is up Chris's alley like Chris loves he he's always been great with being on camera um very he's a very social guy he's also great in this field so he did have a lot of knowledge to share and of course like he took to it like what is the expression a duck to water uh, and, yeah, I think uh, there's many. <laughs> yeah and uh so i i started kind of being playing the like supportive girlfriend role i mean we're still running our production company so for a while i was kind of annoyed that he was spending all this other time doing that and i said well that's you know you better figure out a way to do both because there's only two of us so don't leave me here and then i uh as i watched more and more youtube content i realized there just there weren't many women in this niche on YouTube. And it started to kind of also bug me that when Chris would mention his production company, everyone started to think of it as like his company. And I was like, hi, been here the whole time doing the same thing. Um, So it was probably half spite, half jealousy, and half just a little peeved that there weren't other women in the space getting the same recognition for doing great work. And so it's not that I thought I was like the most talented, amazing, uh, photographer, videographer, producer, whatever you want to call me. Um, I just thought, you know, if the, if this is what I want to see more of online and I want more women to, uh, be in this niche with me, then I have to set an example. Cause if they, if, if women don't see another woman doing this, they're not going to think that there's a place for them and they're not going to think that they're capable. And there's no one going like, Hey, I can, I can be like them. I could do that. You know, if she's doing it, I can do it. Um, but at the same time, it, it's morphed into, I just really want to be there to encourage anyone to start their own creative business, anyone to pick up a camera and shoot, just to try new things. Because if if you put too much pressure on yourself to be perfect or to be the best at it, like there's always going to be someone who's better than you. There's always going to be someone who's worse than you. And it's not about that. It's just to do whatever you're passionate about, enjoy it, and then try to make a living at it. Um and so a lot of people who watch, especially my, um, my intro video, my like channel trailer on YouTube think that, oh, I'm just here to support other women. And that's not true. That was a big part of why I started, but now I just really want to be here to support everybody and to encourage them to start their own creative business and to just like go shoot cool photos, just have a great time. And, um, don't, don't take it so seriously and try to have fun with it. Cause if you put that pressure on yourself of being the best and like constantly comparing yourself and um, putting a lot of pressure on yourself to make money right away or not knowing that you're, you're doing a great job already and you can make money doing this. Um, I want to be that person for people because I wish that there was someone out there who, who did that for me. And honestly, in a lot of ways, because Chris was older, um, he was my biggest support in just encouraging me to do whatever I wanted to do. And so, um, a combination of that and, um, spite. Yeah. <laughs> There's always a little bit spite in everyone's It's healthy, everyone's you know, channel. It's a good, um, it motivates you. <laughs> but you, you mentioned something important that I wanted to ask about too, is because like scrolling on your website, you, you have this cool media kit, which I think we, we can get into later about like working with brands and the benefits of sure. different, but, um, 
like uh, me and you being in a similar type of space, it seems like the photo and video space is like 80% male, 20% female dominated. Yeah. I see even in your um, in your audience demographics that you share, uh, it's similar. It's 80% male, yeah. <laughs> and, and mine, like, I think mine's, mine's much more software related. So it's like even more, it's like 90 10. Yeah. But um, I know that I think Matt, I mean, it's no secret. You can find this stuff on any site, but I believe that um, Maddie told me the other day, Maddie Hapoya, that his mm-hmm. was like 96% male or something. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Total. <laughs> but, but I, so like, I, I think it, one, it is cool that you're doing great work regardless of whether you're female or male, just like Thanks. on its own. But, um, how how do you navigate like for me it's like male creator talking to a largely male audience what are some of the different challenges or even unexpected like like i guess negatives and positives from that other side that people might not always think about that's one thing that that came yeah. up that i didn't ask that i couldn't really get from chris <laughs> <laughs> um i mean a lot of men aren't really educated in uh, what it's like for women in a male dominated space. And they're, they get really uncomfortable talking about it because they don't know anything about it and they're scared to learn about it. And they think that, um, and it's, it's very fitting that we're recording this on international women's day. <laughs> is it? Oh, oh. Uh, yes, it is. So, uh, yeah. And I think like, that's, if you're listening to this and you are a male, there are lots of books that I would encourage you to read and it's nothing like, I think men take it very personally like, oh, well, it, it's like we're, when we talk about feminism, we're saying that women are better than men. And that's not what we're saying at all. It's just saying, hey, we want a seat at the table and we're trying to get that seat at the table. Um, and everyone will benefit from having um, a united and equal participation with both genders. <laughs> um, the YouTube space will be that much better, healthier, um, you will learn more because you have two different perspectives of how to, how to shoot something. Um, um, a man talking about how to take portraits of women is always going to be a different perspective than a woman, a woman telling you how to take portraits of women because it's, they've lived a completely different experience. They like a, a man doesn't know necessarily because you've never lived in my body, what I'm looking for when I'm posing. So having that equal, and that's just one example. So having that equal perspective is, is really going to teach that one photographer, whatever gender they are, the best way to possibly take a photo. And until you have a 50% to 50% ratio of men to women on YouTube, you're not going to get that. Um, and that's aside from, you know, how disappointing it is to be a woman and to not be taken seriously a lot of times because I'm sitting here. I look nice. I'm wearing makeup. I, people get distracted by um, how I look or um, the fact that I'm wearing jewelry. They think for some reason there's this association that like if you if you are pretty, then you can't be smart. If you are very feminine, you cannot be as commanding or um, not necessarily commanding or a leader in the yeah. same way that a man can. And a lot of times, and I've been guilty of this at times to make this assumption, I'm not saying I'm exempt from it, but I make an effort every day not or to, to fight those stereotypes that have been grilled into me by watching Cinderella, <laughs> you know, by watching TV and assume and hearing like a, a, a fireman, a fireman, not a, not a female fireman, you know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of retraining we have to do, but it's only, we're only going to be successful if, at that unless until we have participation from everyone so that's my international women's day speech please men go read the melinda gates moment of lift book and you will learn everything you need to know in that book so some of the things i notice after saying that are sure. yeah it's, it's hard to be i i've noticed definitely like if you just look in the comment section you notice how you're perceived differently right away um but i don't want I don't want to focus too much on that and like how, how hard it is to be me yeah. and how hard it, it is frustrating when I get comments that are, I'm not going to say word for word because I, I'd have to swear, but like, this is what you, this is the information you get when you get it from a girl 
they said something else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, and a lot of mansplaining, a lot of, um, just, yeah, commenting about how I look, derogatory comments, things like that. Um, just very disappointing sexist comments. Um, in terms of how I'm looked at, or sorry, how, how being female affects the jobs I get with sponsors and things like that, I'm still one of the few women, I still feel kind of like the, the token female added to a, to a whole group of men, whenever there's a project, it's like, oh, we have to get the, we have to get a woman. Mm -hmm. But second of all, I'm also a white woman. I can't, I I'm sitting here and I can't name a single, um, black or any of any ethnicity, anyone else, any other woman of any other ethnicity in this field that in this niche, sorry, that I'm in on YouTube. And I've talked about it with my friends and I can't name anyone. I have to actively search. And I don't know why, well, I do know why, but I don't know why it's so hard. Like it shouldn't be that hard to find someone who doesn't necessarily look like me. So I do get a lot of jobs. I am very successful and very fortunate in that way to get a lot of work because I am one of the more successful females in this niche. People are recognizing that they need to ensure that they include females in their, um, chosen group for particular projects but i also don't necessarily i i do feel that sometimes you're an afterthought where it's like oh we need to get a, we need to get a woman on this we need to make sure that we have one and yeah. i don't think that has to do anything with my skill set and how capable i am so i truly have no idea why that happens and that's very frustrating um to to say oh well yeah, you'll get lots of work because everybody needs like a woman. Like you got to be the the female photographer. We need we need to get one of those. Like everyone's really obsessed with that. So you'll do really well. Like that's so sad that it's yeah. a fad to have uh, a female included in a, a campaign, for example. Like that's how it's perceived. It's yeah. not just let's let's pick the best people. And it has nothing to do with how capable I am or my numbers or, or things like that. So that's my two cents. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, 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 I agree with you too on the other side, like as a creator kind of in these spaces and like I've, I collaborate a lot and like the same way my demographics are male, female, also like my podcast guests are the same way. It's like 80% male, 20% female, And I'm, yeah. I'm not, but I'm not like looking for like, Oh, I need to get a female on. It's like, I, you're, you're a great, creator in your own right thank you you make great videos and photos it's just that like like you said it's hard to find but i also think too like i guess sometimes you get caught in your own echo chamber like you might be from toronto you might be like surrounded by all your toronto creators and yeah. uh, I, I i do try to continue to branch out and i think what you said is important with um like uh uh just being the example like perhaps even in a perfect world like maybe still for some reason guys are more into one certain thing or, or the other and maybe it can yeah. still be like 60 40 but as long as as long as like someone isn't not doing it because they think oh girls have to you know exactly play with and i think a lot makeup. of that is subconscious and i don't disagree with you at all i think the numbers are probably to do with the fact that men are more interested in this, but then you kind of have to work backwards and think, well, why is that even happening to begin with? Um, I'm equally interested in both. And I don't think that's like a strange thing. I think it has to do with on the one side, you know, making an effort to feature more um, females in, you know, whatever niche it is, um, hire more so that the younger generation of women can see, oh, well, there's a female doctor. Now I'm thinking about being a doctor. If they don't see that, maybe they're not thinking that it's something that they're capable of. And also how, how women grow up and what they're told, you know, and how men are told to behave. So that's, there's a lot of, we're talking about nature versus nurture. Are we, you know, distinctly born, are men distinctly born to prefer tech things than women? I don't really think so. I think it has to do a lot with how 
we grow up and how we're told to deal with things and who we see. We've probably seen our dads more working with computers than our moms. And so we kind of think like, oh, innately, maybe that's a guy thing. You know, and I don't think that makes a lot of sense. So I, I think it's a lot of we learn these things that, oh, well, I don't really need to do that. But I see my mom do this a lot. So maybe I'll be good at this. And I don't think it's like a, a, a full, well thought out thought, I guess, in your head when that happens. But it's it's subconscious and you're training yourself to move in a certain direction. Like I have a lot of friends that work in long-term care homes or work with children and in roles like that. And don't get me, those are extremely important and valuable jobs and we need more people doing them. We also need more support for people doing that. But I just find it really interesting that I have so many friends who went and girlfriends specifically who went into that field. And I wonder why, you know, versus what I'm doing. I just think it's really interesting because we've been told, oh, women are good with people. Women are good with, um, taking care of other people. You know, we've always seen women be the caregivers and we are, I mean, I think in some respects innately and like mentally, like women are just a lot better at social skills and, and empathy. And they have proved that a little bit with science, but I don't think it's something that all women would want to hundred percent do if they saw like an equal representation of women in, in different fields. So I think that that's a big part of why, yeah, there probably are just more men looking this stuff up. Um, and that's why we kind of have to, like, it's going to be a slow role and a slow process to it's, it's showing more women and it gives younger women the idea that they can do it. And then, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now, we'll look at the numbers again and see who's there and how, and what the percentage is then. Yeah, it's like a, a longer generational thing, like you said, yeah. parents to, to, to kids. Yeah. And it goes many different ways. But you bring up a lot of interesting points that uh, I'm sure many people could read many, many books about. Um, yeah, or may on... disagree with me. I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying I'm the most knowledgeable person about this stuff, but I'm, I try to be and I try, but I'm always like, I'm always willing to learn or um, from my mistakes too. Yeah. Um, and I have a certain privilege that other people don't. So I'm, I try to be as aware of that as I, as I can, but, um, I can only speak from my own experience and what I do know. So I, yeah. I'm doing my best. So if I said something that's offended you, I am very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think <laughs> Tell me oh. what I said. <laughs> no, no. And likewise, like, um, I think it's important though. That, I mean, if you're not talking you're, about it, you're part of the problem, right? Well, your experience, uh, as long as you're authentically sharing your experience, then there's something to gain from that. It doesn't mean that your experience mm -hmm. is like the arbitrator or my experience is like the end all be all, but there's a little yeah. bit that you can take as long as that's going on. But uh, I know this, uh, do you still do your, you have a little newsletter on your website where you uh, share yeah. channels you like and, and books you like. Uh, yeah, you so book, I kind of so. turned that into a blog. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I haven't, I haven't updated it in a while, but yeah, we just like revamped the whole thing and it looks a little nicer if anyone is going to sign up for the newsletter. But oh, uh, I was going to ask like, uh, was you brought up, I think you brought up some books and why not? Like what are yeah. you reading right now or, or recently that you enjoyed if we can get a, well, yeah, sure. I, um, so I go through, like, I'm really bad at reading consistently when I start reading, I'll read like four or five books. And then I don't read for like four months. <laughs> it's Same, really yeah. strange. Um, so the book I'm, I, I did start again. The book I'm reading right now is um, a memoir, a memoir, a memoir of, um, do you know Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the bass player? Oh, Michael yeah, yeah. Balls it's called like uh, something for the children. I see it yeah. at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, so I'm reading that right now. It's, I mean, I love the band, so it's and I, I strictly read fiction, sorry, I strictly read nonfiction. I have a problem with reading fiction because I'm like, this is stupid. It didn't really happen. Like, why do I need to know about this? I need to learn something about someone the entire time. So it's finding a combination of like a good story, but it has to be real for me to care. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> my editor's laughing at me in the background, but some, um, and I try to cycle through something that's like more educational or like a self-help or something like that. 
Um, so like some of the books that I would 100% everyone read is um, Melinda Gates, The Moment of Lift, which is, you know, very appropriate based on our conversation in this episode. Um, and like, I think I read that in two days. It was incredible. Um, there's a lot of great, if you're looking for like a good, easy self-help book. Oh my God, I have so many up here. Um, Get Your Shit Together, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, all of those ones. Um, some of the books I really enjoyed recently that are still nonfiction, but just a good story. Um, one is called Educated. That was really, really good. That was like, I would give that an 11 out of 10. Um, and I also read recently The Hate You Give. That was really good. But I have a, a long list of, so I, again, I try to alternate them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. fun. Always, Stuff that, uh... that will make me a better person. <laughs> yes, I think uh, going off our, our conversation, just reading in general is, is good to just get different perspectives from your own. Exactly. But yeah, I, I, I love, Makes you uh... think more than, I mean, shows make me think too. Like, I, yeah. I think a lot of people are like, oh, well, if we watch a lot of Netflix, it's garbage. I'm like, not necessarily, especially if you're in our field, you learn so much by watching a cool show or like how it's shot or the acting or the storytelling or the message behind it and how they got through it. Like, um, I think it was called The Morning Show. I think that was an Apple TV one. So good. And it's, it's one of those shows that really makes you think too. So I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't dismiss those either, but reading is, is a different beast. You're just like alone with your thoughts, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Um, so that actually gets into like, actually a couple of things you said, you have a, I want to, to ask you about like actually working on your YouTube channel and growing your channel and, and your different social channels and how you think about it for anyone that's listening that, that wants advice earlier on the journey. Um, so one, like coming up with video ideas, you mentioned like, you know, how you can take inspiration from, even a Netflix show or the way they shot it or the, the lighting yeah. or, or whatnot. But uh, also you mentioned uh, you have an editor there with you. So like mm -hmm. how have you gone about like gr growing your channel of a team videos and whatnot? Mm -hmm. It's a process because it's something you've obviously never done before. <laughs> so you're always trying to decide what's going to be the best route for me. How do I do this? And you only have and I have a lot of friends that do this, but everyone kind of does everything a little bit differently in a way that works for them. So I have some friends that outsource a ton and most of those friends actually have kids. So maybe I'll get to that one day. Um, but when I, if you're starting your channel, first of all, and you're wondering what to do or how to grow it, um, the biggest thing I would say is to make sure whatever you're making, you're excited about and feels like you and you should be enjoying it, first of all. And that's the hardest part is picking um, or finding a niche that you're good at, you're going to enjoy, um, you like learning more about because I didn't start this and I'm still squeezing out all the knowledge I originally had. I'm constantly learning as I go and then sharing those new things as well. And sometimes I have to learn something new in order to share <laughs> because it is hard. Um, like tapping into your existing knowledge and you have to kind of especially in the niche we're in like move with the times and what people want but anyways um so once you figure out what it is that you love and you're really good at and your own unique perspective like being yourself and your own personality is also really hard being on camera but that's a lot of times why someone's going to watch you present the information over someone else because there's a ton of videos about like the exposure triangle for example mm -hmm. But why is someone going to watch yours as opposed to someone else's? Because they like you and they like your personality. And I wish someone told me that when I started, how important it was to just like be yourself. And it seems really corny, but like be as much yourself as you can be on camera because that's what everyone is going to latch on to um, and have fun with it at the same time. Like leave in mistakes. Like, you know what I mean? Don't focus too much on... Um, how you look or if you said something weird like stuff like that just try try and throw that out the window as much as you can and in terms of like the the topics of videos to choose if you're looking to grow your channel you do kind of have to work with the algorithm and try to really focus on your titles and your thumbnails keeping everything really engaging really fast paced and um, titles that are highly searchable are going to help you get more views um, 
And that's essentially why being in kind of a learning niche is really helpful because I'm trying to think, okay, what would someone look up? What would someone want a tutorial, a tutorial on? What can I teach them? But also the people who've been, been, you know, sticking around as a subscriber for a while, what would they want to learn that's new um, and different and maybe a little more advanced? Um, yes, that's yeah. what I would say. Yeah, I think I was reading something that uh, the, the top reasons people go on YouTube is like, one, like how to fix something or, or learn something or to be entertained. So like yep. you said, being in this educational space is, I mean, one of the only reasons I think I've even found any, any success is just like providing that sort of educational in the Yeah, in the initial growth stage for sure. Because um, there are a ton of people vlogging and it's hard to, and I have some friends in other niches who are more in like the beauty, lifestyle, fashion niche, niches who vlog a lot. And I watch a lot of those too. Like that's my Sunday is I just like binge all my content on Sundays. Cause I don't have time like during the week. Um, and there's a huge um, audience for that. So we've started vlogging a little bit here, but we, we don't necessarily do them weekly. We did actually last year and we just kind of realized it was hard to sustain. And also I want them to be really interesting. And during COVID there isn't a whole lot happening. So even though we brought them back, they're going to be inconsistent, but I noticed that people really like them when we leave like almost everything in and we're just really stupid and really ourselves. And like, it's way less about what it looks like. And even though we're shooting on, like I, I shoot with um, my a seven C for all the vlogs. Um, so even though it's like, it's good gear, a lot of times if I'm rushing, I'll just switch it to auto, which is like horrifying for any filmmaker. You're like, how dear Lord, how could you do such a thing? But it doesn't matter as long as you're getting like the hilarious storytelling moment or the fun moment or the sad moment, whatever it is. Um, okay. So in terms, I realized I didn't answer the second part of your question before in terms of growing it and getting an editor and that whole thing. Oh, well, before you do, then I guess yeah, I, yeah. I forgot that I asked you that. But then, I know I forgot to answer it too. <laughs> my, my next question was like, what advice and way do you do you have on? Because not only do you have like a decent in YouTube like audience, but you also what I think is even harder me personally is like growing on Instagram. So like, how yeah. have you gone about approaching growing on Instagram versus YouTube and the different methods? So I'm giving you another question on top. That's fine. <laughs> on YouTube, I would say like YouTube, if you if you're focusing on that, it's going to it's going to be more if if this is important to you, it's going to be more lucrative for sure. Um, you'll grow faster because people are spending more time with you and really get to know you and they're committing to you for like five to ten minutes at least. Um, and so you you're you have more time to capture people's attention. Um, and to promote a product, therefore you can charge more if sponsorships are interesting to you and you get ad revenue and, um, it gives you more of an opportunity to build a brand in my perspective, Instagram, I kind of look at as like a supporting tool now because I am a photographer. So it's a place I can post my photography and a little bit about my life and keep tabs with people daily because I'm only posting once a week, um, but with that said, you, I do get a few like sponsored ads and things like that, that I can post on Instagram in terms of growing on Instagram. It's a little bit hard these days. It, I'm not going to blame like how saturated it is and, and things like that. But even though I think that is like, it is part of it. Um, it's just people can see through the fluff so much these days and like those contrived posts of people in Hawaii swimming with dolphins and things like that. Like, even though they are incredible photos, it's not relatable. So I feel like it's, it's shifting a little bit from like beautiful photographs to wanting to see that person you love off YouTube in their daily life. You know what I mean? So that's my perspective on it now is I would encourage people to focus more on YouTube if you can focus less on Instagram because if you're trying to grow a following and I would assume that then it's because you're trying to make this some kind of living for you. Um, it's going to be more lucrative on YouTube. It will be easier to grow on YouTube and on Instagram. It's just a lot harder to get those likes and to get that engagement. But with that said, um, 
you know, posting stories daily is a big one because you're staying in that person's algorithm and you're reminding yourself of your relevance <laughs> every day. And it's a way for you to engage with them rather than necessarily like posting a photo. Cause sometimes your feed gets really cluttered and they have to scroll down quite far to get to your photo. Whereas if they're watching stories, it's going to keep auto playing for you to the next one. So even if you posted a couple, um, staying at that, you know, far left side of their story bar, um, is going to keep their attention. And then when you do post a photo, it's more likely to come up on their grid that way. But I have a whole video about, um, like 2021, Instagram growth techniques. If anyone wants to check it out, it's on my channel. <laughs> but yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. Like we were saying, uh, if, if I know you post, uh, some helpful stuff about this. So if anyone hasn't thus far, they should definitely check out the videos on your channel. And for sure, it goes into what you're saying too. Like there's some formats where, like you said, you just get more in depth, such as a YouTube video. That's like five, 10, 20 minutes long yeah. versus just like a post. And I think what I'm hearing that I really agree with the most out of everything you're saying is just like you know the authenticity behind it like people yeah. can just like no matter if the gear is great um or quality whatever it's like they care about the, the funny little moment or like seeing mm -hmm. the real connection between it so i think people... we went like we went so far to those like incredible unattainable stunning like awestruck in like visuals that we were, I think, like shocked with at the beginning. Like, I have never seen a photo this incredible. Like, how did this person just take this? Like, how did they get there? Oh my gosh, they're in the most beautiful place I've ever seen. And now it's almost like we see so much of that. We're kind of like, ugh. well, I can't go there right now because it's COVID. I don't really want to look at that anymore. <laughs> you know, what do I want to see someone with their puppy in their living room? Oh, yeah. what a cute dog. Looks like they're having a nice day. I like that person more now. They're just chilling at home. Like they feel like me and you want to interact with them more. Like it's all these subtle conversations you're having with yourself where like, if I see something completely um, unrealistic, it almost makes me mad now because I'm like, I can't go to Hawaii and swim with dolphins. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want to look at that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we want something real in yeah, 2021. <laughs> exactly. Um, do you want me to talk about my editor now? Oh, sure. I was, well, you kind of brought it up. Like, um, I'm sure you haven't always had an editor. You started probably working on the YouTube channel yourself and now you're kind of, yeah. What, so what he actually like, he actually, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he uh, actually, um, started with helping me with those vlogs. And so we were doing the vlogs every week. And then I would also, I would do my own like educational video at least two a month. And then I would do, um, like up to four a month, ideally. Um, but it was a way for me to like always have something that was going out um, on YouTube or going up. And it was, it worked well for a while, but COVID hit pretty quickly. So um, then it became just like something really challenging to keep up. And we went from having like all of these amazing trips planned that I could have vlogged to nothing. So um, when that happened, I didn't really feel right saying like, Hey, you're out of a job now. So I said, okay, why don't we start with you helping, you know, the same amount of time on my regular videos every week and just like, see how that goes. Um, and then I started to kind of like get busier and busier and I monitor, you know, my income and things like that. So financially it was like a scary thing to invest in as well, but I knew it was needed. And then when I could feel like I could really tell how much more work we could do together and also how much more fun it was to work with someone else. Um, he and I get along really, really well. And so it's actually like fun coming into work every day and coming up with different concepts together. And now it's a lot more collaborative than me sitting here by myself and writing out ideas, which felt a little scary. It's nice to have like that reassurance from somewhere. It's like, yeah, I also think this is a good idea. Yes, let's do it. It will be fun together. Um, so that's, that's been an amazing part about this process. And now he is full-time as of this year. And, um, just the amount of weight that's lifted off my shoulders where I don't have to feel guilty about having calls like this or, um, check like having emails or meetings or, or things like that. And wondering how am I going to get this video out? Like my, just my work-life balance is so much better now, <laughs> 
Um, and we're able, we're able to do more. And like, I don't really care that much about if I like, I'm happy with my income the way it is. And I feel like it's important to talk about this. Cause I, I feel like we're in this, um, time where there's this huge like hustle mentality and it's like do more make more money like no no, no, no. youtubers make so much money like we don't make so much money we make a good amount of money we own a very normal home in toronto it's a townhouse it's not a mansion um we split it i could not afford this on my own neither could he (laughs) and um it's important for me that if i could just keep making the same amount of money every year i would be very comfortable for the rest of my life So that's kind of my goal is I would love to keep him and give him raises and, you know, always have an editor from now on. And if this is as big as it gets and both of our incomes can stay the same, I'm very happy. If we make more money, that's fantastic. That means usually we need to work more and maybe we'll need to hire somebody else. But I would rather that than me work on my own and make butt tons of money and not like it also at a certain point, like that's not going to be possible. You can only be in one place at one time and only do so much work as one person. So it's kind of unavoidable to grow a little bit. And I have some people that I reach out to when there's a project that I know we're both going to be overwhelmed with. So we hire on some like freelance contractors, depending on what we need. And I have two girls that are kind of my assistants when I need it. I would love to bring on one full time because that would just be amazing. Right now we have um, interns kind of cycling and helping us out. Um, who need to complete like school hours and things like that. So they've been really helpful with, with some of the little tasks around the office so we can just focus on working. But yeah, it's it's impossible not to grow your business if you are doing it all on your own and recognizing that and being okay with like, oh, okay, well, I am not going to make all the money. Like, don't get greedy. You know, that's not how businesses work. You don't just like always make more money. You have to take a hit and take an, and make an investment <laughs> at some point. And you're going to have, and as long as you're responsible about tracking your, your revenue, you'll be fine. Yeah. I totally agree with the the hustle culture and the balance. And I'm kind of in that same place where it's like the fact alone that I am able to make a living making videos and doing creative stuff. Like I don't have to make boatloads of money because I already, I feel like very, I have a very free schedule and a lot of flexibility and that to me is pretty priceless. Oh um, yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, and uh, I mean, that, that kind of touches on, I was just gonna ask you about like monetization and a, and a couple of things. I think one thing you have a lot of experience on, um, if you could give like some quick over our- Quick tips. Game, <laughs> I guess like fundamentals about like, you work with all these bigger clients like when i say bigger i mean like more corporate and professional like, and polished they're, they sound big like big names well they they are like Flashy. adobe google and, and yeah you know, north face like some someone where you couldn't perhaps like talk in slang with you have to be very proper right like yeah it's funny because you think that i mean when i was freelancing and working with smaller brands and some people just one-on-one you think that you know if you have a bad experience with one client um you think that oh that's just them like when I get older and work with bigger brands like their process is going to be so great and it's gonna be so much easier and so seamless and I'll make more money and like everything will be fantastic well that is not true don't get me wrong I love the brands I work with and and because we both have experience on either end it's a great relationship But when you remember that you're just working with other people on the other side of the computer screen, there is like a language you have to use to be, you know, polite and they're the ones paying you. So you do everything you can for them. Um, But they are just people. So I think using that super formal like email format of, yes, I will certainly do this for you. It is not a problem. Like that doesn't exist anymore. And people feel much more comfortable if you're just confident in yourself. And of course, like don't swear, like maybe, maybe don't use emojis, you know, things like that. Um, And especially for women, like really try to cut back on the exclamation points. I was so guilty of that when I started and now I would try and, you know, there's no need for that, but there's also no need to not be conversational at the same time. You can just be yourself. Um, 
And you're going to run into the same problems no matter how big the, the company is you're working with. So if you can nail down that process when you're working with like a, an individual client versus like a bigger brand, um, of course, there are certain like hoops you'll have to jump through that are they have, you know, bigger companies have their own process and forms you have to fill out and insurance and things like that. Um, but otherwise, it's really the same. Um, so I wouldn't get too hellbent over it and and feel really intimidated. Know your worth and what you're bringing to the table and just make sure you cover your own ass in, in terms of your own process and getting all the documents signed that you need to and being extra clear because they, and oftentimes like those, those companies are so big that things get lost a lot in like the handoffs to other people mm-hmm. and like 10, 20, you don't know how many people are viewing your final product. And oftentimes that means you get more feedback. So not getting too um, upset about that, just know what the process is on their side and just expect it and try not to get frustrated by it. But honestly, I would say that like, it's not that different. You're going to run into like the same problems, just bigger (laughs) and just like expecting that they're going to come and, and trying to, um, protect yourself if they happen and work with the client to find a solution and just be patient. There's no reason to like end the relationship over it most of the time. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, that's, that would be the biggest, um, thing I would say about why I have such a good relationship, like with Adobe, with, um, Mercedes, with, I don't know if you mentioned Google. So we just try and do everything we can to make them happy, but also, you know, we ask for fair compensation in in return. Yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, anyone who wants more in depth on that can definitely find helpful content and videos, um, and other, other content i know you guys mm-hmm. said podcast and whatnot like on your youtube uh mm-hmm. which is p-e-i-r-c-e for anyone make sure right. you do p-i-e-r-c-e i appreciate um, that yeah, yeah it's the opposite of the rule i don't <laughs> yes. know why <laughs> um but i'm going to leave uh all of lizzie's links in the description if you're listening or you can just search her um very easy to find lizzie p-e-i-r-c-e but is there anything else lizzie that uh First of all, thanks for sharing. There's so much that we touched on. Um, and I appreciate no problem. all that. Me. And uh, yeah, is there anything else that uh, you're kind of working on or want people to think about or want people to do or find you at? Sure. Um, I'm in the midst of a course right now. It's not out yet, but I'm working on it with Bright Trip about um, artistic travel photography. So that's something that's coming out soon if you're interested. Um Oh my goodness, there are so many things I'm working on, but now I'm going, I'm drawing a blank on all of them. Um, but yeah, we've just got some cool stuff like coming out on the channel, a few projects I'm really excited about that will probably be coming out in April um, on my channel. So I don't know when this is going live, but yes, if you are if you are not subscribed, it is a great time to be subscribed to my channel. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, if anyone uh, got this far, definitely let us know send us a message let us know you appreciated or something she said or or if you have a a follow-up or point on a certain topic we touched on um, definitely reach out to to us let us know and you can keep up with lizzie on her youtube channel and instagram and website as well i'll leave all the links if you're listening on youtube you can also find this on spotify itunes everywhere podcasts are thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode